Welcome to Happy House Families Podcast with your hosts, Morgan and Sandy. We are here to be an easy resource for families on the go and who aspire to create more joy within their families. Morgan is a special education teacher with a master's in education. Sandy is a consultant who also has her master's in education and has worked with families for over 20 years. Both of your hosts have a vast experience working with neurotypical and neurodiverse children. Welcome to the show. This is Happy House Families, and I'm your host, Morgan. And I am Sandy, and welcome from the Happy House Family Studios. Yeah, right here in Los Angeles, California. And this is part two of our exploration into ADHD. That's right. So very quickly, we're just going to do a quick review of how to explain ADHD. Uh, For example, it's somebody that you would think is a daydreamer, spacing out, in air quotes, a space cadet, someone who's very forgetful. And just remember that behavior, our behavior is affected by our brain. And once again, a reminder, this is a chemical imbalance within the brain. Yes. And so it's very important to get support to help manage challenges. So for example, with ADHD, we need help to manage to regulate our attention or knowing how to shift our attention. As I said in the last podcast, sometimes you will see people who are um, either quote unquote lazy or super hyper focused. And sometimes you'll notice this with some of the, like, you know, we've noticed this with some of the kids that we work with with ADHD. There are certain things they could be super hyper focused with, like, for example, Minecraft, super hyper focused. Oh, yeah. What's it now? Um, Fortnite? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? So. <laughs> And they can do that for hours and hours and hours and dialogue about it for hours and hours and days and days and days, right? So um, so being able to regulate, okay, so now we're not going to be talking about Minecraft. Now we're going to work on division. Like how do we then shift their attention from something that's preferred to something that's not preferred? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've heard um, you know, different people talk about you know, ADHD being like a light switch, you're either on or you're off. So it's also very important that if you have someone with ADHD, in order to keep them engaged, you have to make sure that you're giving them a consistent positive feedback loop. So for example, some of the teachers I've worked with before with kids with ADHD, the, sometimes there's a, there's teachers who are like the sage on stage where they're just in front of the classroom and talking, 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 talking. They're going to lose the interest of the kids with ADHD because blah, 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 yeah. right? So I've told teachers that, you know, keep them engaged, give them a positive feedback loop, like engage them, talk to them, make it into a dialogue rather mm-hmm. than a monologue. That's one way you can do it. Or even like if you walk around the classroom, like sometimes like even like, you know, just touching them on their shoulder or something like that just to make sure that they are participating. Um, so having that consistent feedback loop is great. And we can even talk about having like, um, you know, like the fidget toys, the spinners, some different things I've recommended for the kids I work with is getting a kick band on their chair. So when they're sitting, if their legs are moving around a lot, they can kick the band. And I've had some parents say, well, isn't that going to be distracting? It actually helps them focus because if their body is doing something, then their brain could actually focus on what the teacher is saying. So kick bands, kick bands have been really um, effective for the kids I work with. 
and you can get that on Amazon, super cheap, totally mm -hmm. worth it. You can get, oh my gosh, I think like maybe six or seven of them for less than 20 bucks. Yeah. So that's a really great one. It's just a piece of like a long rubber band. People, exactly. You, you, people use them for uh, exercise. Yes. They, I think they're called exercise bands, so. Yes, and they actually have, call them kick bands, too. Oh, they do? Yes. Oh, that's exactly. cool. Exactly. <laughs> for the kids just to kick. Um, you know, fidget toys are also really popular, um, as well as squishy balls. Those yes, are really good. Yes, the stress good. balls. Yes, the stress balls. Balls, as well as those yoga balls that you can sit on in the classroom. Oh, and then this one, the weighted, the weighted um, blankets, mm -hmm. that works great. So I've like recommended to clients that if they have a child with ADHD who who need these type of materials, for them just to donate several of each item to the classroom, so that it's not that their child is targeted. So it was really interesting. So I had one family, and they bought. Um, they bought, I don't know, I think up to like eight, nine, or ten weighted blankets, and they bought kick bands, and they bought the yoga balls, like three of those. And I went into the classroom to observe, and all the weighted blankets were taken by other children. <laughs> oh, he wasn't, the one that you were observing wasn't Yes, using exactly. It? Oh, the one, the so family funny. who, you know, purchased it for everybody, like there wasn't one for him because all the other kids, you know, took it. And it was interesting because then the teachers realized that so many of their, of their children in their class we're needing this kind of input. Uh -huh. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be a child with ADHD, yes. right? Yeah. You know, so these tools are amazing and awesome. And again, in my, like I said in my last in the last podcast, I have um, a sixth grader who needs to always be drawing. And then if it's taken away from him, he just cannot focus. Um, but I was called in because the teachers wanted to take the drawing away from him. And he actually needs it. So. Yes. <laughs> And a lot of these things, as a teacher, are really quiet, and so it's not even distracting uh, in the classroom. If a kid's drawing, it's not banging and making these loud noises, and these bands really don't make much noise at all. Mm -hmm. They're very quiet, and if the stress balls and all of this, it's kind of an incognito thing to do, and it really, 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 really helps. Exactly. Um, another thing about ADHD is... We're going to talk about the executive executive functioning system. So that is an area that can be a struggle for people with ADHD, is being able to stay on task. We'll give a couple of examples. So for example, if you are cooking, mm -hmm. you're cooking dinner, and all of a sudden you get distracted and you decide to sit in front of Netflix and watch Netflix and while you are like knitting or something like that. Like you just forget to do what you're supposed to do. Or you go into the bookstore and you're there, I'm gonna use cooking again. You're there to buy a cooking book and you walk out with 15 other books and a doll. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like you forget what your target is. And so um, with the kids that I work with, with ADHD, what we do is we write down very simply what it is they need to do, not in huge sentences, but just in bullet points and for them to be able to cross it off after they do it or like pictures of what they need to do and then making sure that they do touch base with it and cross it off if they, when they are done with it so that they can stay on system. So what are some of the things that you would recommend for a classroom for kids to stay on task? Um, I think it's always helpful to have a, a schedule, depending on the age group. With, when they're younger, a visual schedule is helpful because that, those pictures, and then you can cross off as you're going along or take off or uh, so they can kind of see what's directly in front of them. Back to executive functioning, a lot of uh, people with ADHD uh, have 
hard time with working memory. And so that's Mm -hmm. kind of what Sandy was saying. Like, okay, I'm going to go cook dinner, but then I sat down to watch Netflix. It's kind of what's happening in the moment. It's not your long term. It's what's going on right now. And so having having a schedule right in front of you or on the board where the kids can see or even when you get home and working on homework... One, two, three, first you're going to do homework, then you can need to walk the dog, and then you're going to have dinner. Just easy, simple, bullet. You don't want it to be too overwhelming. Exactly. Um, None of these things have to be crazy expensive. It can just be things that you already have around in the classroom or at your house just to to really help kind of uh, help regulate the children. Exactly. Or adults. And adults. That's true. Exactly. That's right. Yes. I know a um, a grown-up who had to write a report for um, for school, mm-hmm. for a college, and decided to write an entire paper based on what she wanted to answer, not what the professor was asking. <laughs> so it was a brilliant paper, but did not follow the directions. Okay. Yes, and she did not realize it until after she turned it in. <laughs> until she got it back? With- no, I mean, after she turned it in, and then she was like... She read the prompts. Yes, and- exactly, yes. So some of the kids that I work with, if it's a multi-step direction, I have them highlight it with different color markers, mm-hmm. so they clearly see like step A is pink, step you know B is blue, step C is green, so they actually see that there's different steps. Uh-huh. So making sure when you're reading the directions, you can highlight it with different colors, so you can actually visually see that there's more than one step, and making sure that you're answering the question that is being asked. So sometimes you know just reviewing things more than once which may not be preferred, but I think is also a necessity mm-hmm. at some, with some people. What I see, uh, it depends on the person and their learning style, but what mm-hmm. always helps me, and I've noticed helps a lot of other people, is kind of their restating in their own words what they have to do. So mm-hmm. you'll say, okay, this is what you need to do, now tell me what you need to do. Exactly. And they have to restate it, and they can write it down and have uh, something to look back on. Also, it I mean, if you have digital organizers, those are great, but writing down to do list on pen and paper is uh, may be better because when you write something down it tends to stick into your memory more exactly because you're writing it you're seeing it and sometimes I'll have kids even say it out loud yeah so they can hear it see it write it feel it yeah exactly (laughs) you you want as many different things as possible maybe they can dance to it too who knows exactly (laughs) that is so true and just to piggyback onto what you were saying about having um people repeat back in their own words. So with the little kids I work with, what I do is I tell them that we're gonna play school and now they're the teacher. Yeah, they have great. to teach me and their dollies, like the Minnie Mouses, we'll pull out the Minnie Mouses and the Mickey Mouses and the Goofies and whoever else they want. And then they are now the teacher and so they have to now teach me so I can make sure that they're understanding, uh, making sure that they're under- that it's, it's landed, right? Mm-hmm. And that it's in there and that they're able to explain it in their own words so that there's a firm understanding. And a lot of these strategies, uh, we'll get into more accommodations in a later podcast, but a lot of these strategies, it may seem like a lot of work. And in the beginning, it is going to be more work than maybe another neurotypical kid that you're with uh, or, you know, maybe a brother or sister. And everyone's brains are different and we all know that. But when you teach these strategies, especially at a younger age, it kind of becomes uh, 
and kind as, of a habit. Yeah, it becomes habit. And when they yes. get older, it's not as much front loading as it was when they were younger and getting these. And so right now it's the beginning of the school year. This is a good time to kind of start off with these good habits. Exactly, that is true. And I will speak for me. Mm -hmm. As I'm getting older, some of these things are popping up too. I was at a lecture with uh, Dr. Thomas Brown. And he was talking about how women going through menopause like will mimic these ADHD symptoms as well. So yes, I have noticed some like brain fog, word retrieval things at times. So yes, <laughs> yes, it's yes. And these things aren't just like Sandy was saying for people with ADHD. These can be helpful for lots of different people. Exactly, that is true. That's true. I recently went back to San Francisco and I saw one of my um, classmates from high school so we're all approaching 50 within the next like three years which is insane and she said to me we were talking about having the brain fog um, and like word retrieval issues and so I told her this whole thing about Dr. Thomas Brown saying that it's you know we mimic this as we go through menopause and she said, thank God. She said, I thought I was having dementia. So she was like looking up dementia. And she was like, I'd rather have ADHD. Now yeah, right. Than... I'd rather be going through menopause exactly, than yeah. dementia. Exactly. She's like, I'd rather be doing that than, you know. So it's just interesting. And as like all, like this human life experience, we all go through different stages and different things like pop up. The older I get, the more I just realize that there's so many things that, seem like that make us different but we're all so similar in so many ways you know what yeah. I mean like you know um so yeah so that's just my little side story no, which I like was it. like totally off topic <laughs> do you maybe have just kidding. <laughs> I know, exactly Sandy is demonstrating a moment of <laughs> um and on a more somber note if ADHD kind of goes left untreated and uh without any help it can lead to anxiety and depression exactly so yes we want to make sure that we can help give these tools to at least bring some awareness to this and so that people mm -hmm. can get the help that they need exactly so what happens is like when uh, children when they're young and they're looked at and they're being labeled as lazy or a daydreamer or a space cadet then they identify as that mm -hmm. and then that brings the anxiety or the sadness and a lot of times there becomes like a second diagnosis on top of it and Dr. Thomas Brown does talk about how ADHD usually comes with something else yes. like sometimes it can come with uh, like you said you know depression it can come with anxiety or it can come with autism so um, so then that's also something that we need to address too. Sometimes it does come with something else. So it's important to make sure that we are also working on self-esteem and working on ways to help manage because when people with ADHD aren't able to manage, there is also an awareness that they're... I'll just give this example. I, I was working with, oh my gosh, like this boy like maybe 15 years ago. And while we were working, he said to me, he's like, Sandy, why, does my, why is my brain different? than my friends. Like he was aware that the way that he was responding to things was different and he also realized that he had a hard time remembering things and you know being able to do the multi-step directions on tests and homework and so he did pick up a second diagnosis of depression because of mm -hmm. it. You know so that was something that we had to really focus on and address and talk about how we all are different and for it for this not to become a self-identity thing of like oh I am lazy because he's heard that from his teachers mm -hmm. you know like you're so smart but you're not trying and look you're so smart in this area but you're not doing this and 
then it becomes very confusing for a young child and then a lot of anxiety and sad feelings come about so this is really I'm glad you brought it up because it's so important yeah yeah so that's why it's, it is very crucial to get the correct diagnosis and correct and correct support Care, yes. exactly and also just for you to know like your support team will change over time and over years and it will look different at different times like sometimes you might need to have psychotherapy involved and sometimes you may not so you know also just realize it's just going to be a flow of service providers yes and as we said before it's not a one-size-fits-all um different people need different things mm -hmm. um and so yeah there's anything else that you wanted to add to that um let's see um a little bit like we can talk a little bit about how um like we were talking about earlier how this is like if we were to equate an ADHD brain to being like a race car. Remember that example that uh, we heard? Yeah. Yes, like, you know, being a race car, but with like bicycle brakes. So sometimes it is hard for them to shift or regulate not only their attention, but their emotion. Um, and I know in the DSM, they don't talk about emotional dysregulation because that's something that's hard to measure. Mm -hmm. But part of ADHD is emotional dysregulation. And we will have a whole podcast on that as well. So sometimes people will think people with ADHD, they're too sensitive, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, having been in relationships with people with ADHD, the too sensitive stuff does pop up. As, as you have heard stories of, you know? <laughs> you know, so then it's like important to remember like, okay, this is where that is coming from, right? Um, and it's important that your child, if this is your child or yourself with ADHD, to realize that this is not a personality flaw, make sure that you don't attribute it to that because that can be very damaging to you psychologically. Mm -hmm. um, because as we said, it could put you at risk for a second diagnosis. So it's so important to focus on your strengths. So if your child has ADHD, make sure that you spend just as much time, if, or if not more time, focusing on their strengths uh, rather than the areas that they need to work on. Because you want to make sure that you're really building up a lot of good you know, happiness and self-esteem so that there is energy to work on the areas that need improvement. And I just think that's true for everyone. Yeah. You know, like focus on what your strengths are so, you are, so you're happy and that you feel confident enough to go conquer the things that are hard for yeah, you. Yeah, and you're more likely to get things completed when you're happier doing it. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then also we can end on this you're different all our differences just make this world a better place yes because if we all were the same how boring would that be yeah and a little fun fact is that people diagnosed with adhd are three times more likely to start their own business yes so, like us right there you go <laughs> right now <laughs> exactly right now we are starting our business <laughs> so it's so yes yeah, so that is our second podcast yeah and then the next podcast that we will be um, bringing to you next week is how to find the right therapist and how to get support yes so thank you so much for listening and we look forward to hearing from you if you have any questions or comments please email us at happyhousefamilies at gmail thanks thank you for listening to contact Sandy and Morgan, check out happyhousefamilies.com or email at happyhousefamilies at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out their Facebook page to join the community. If you like the podcast, be sure to rate us. It helps the show be discovered more easily and help more people.